The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Here we go. The number anytime, one 990 That is how you get a hold of Savan and the rest of the crew. Use that number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca as well. Lots of stuff going on this week, Savannah. I know you want to get right into it. Some questions, tons of emails. But we always start with uh, something that's been happening for you. I uh, came across your desk sometime this week at the firm, as I know you're very busy all times of year, but especially this time of year. And now the weather's going to start changing as well. The slips and falls will increase. The uh, people without snow tires always get on the road. And uh, we know what happens in that regard. So uh, so what's been happening with you, pal? You're absolutely right. Yeah, the car accidents, the slip and falls, <laughs> the questions just keep on coming. And it's always very <laughs> difficult, you know, to choose the... Uh, uh, the, the good ones are the ones that I want to tell right. our listeners about, you know, what can we learn from these cases so that if they find themselves in that kind of a situation, then they'll know what to do. It's all about information. So let's start off with uh, something actually that was interesting. I got a, I, I actually got an email this week, this past week, from another lawyer who's actually coming to meet with me because his mother had an incident in the garage where she took her car to get serviced. And, and you know, the only reason I'm mentioning that is because it's interesting how through this show and just through speaking in the media, newspapers, uh, TV, etc., I have a lot of lawyers who contact us, uh, lawyers who don't practice in this field, but mm-hmm. who feel that you know it's a good idea to give us a call about their family mer- you know members, their friends, and and get you know the necessary information. I also have adjusters, adjusters who find themselves. Uh, you know, in in uh, difficult situations with their insurance companies because of disability claims, when the adjusters themselves are going on stress leave, and then their own insurance companies are cutting them off or denying them, they come to us. You know, so again, you know, I'm just saying this because it's important people to understand we don't just deal with members of the public. You know, Joe and Jane, we deal right. with you know lawyers, doctors who come to us for help, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it was, that was just very interesting for me uh, to uh, to communicate with this lawyer. Now, let me uh, start off with an email that I had received, uh, actually a question that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. This one came from uh, Patricia in Barrie, and here's what she writes. She says, I've been employed by the same employer for over 24 years. I had an injury in December of 2015 and have been off disability. My claim ended at the end of June when I spoke with my HR contact at my employer. She said I needed to fill out a work abilities form, which I did, and then was told by my insurance company that my employer couldn't meet my restrictions. When I asked what the next step was, both my insurance company and my HR rep couldn't give me any straight answers. So I currently am without any income, but I'm still covered with benefits. What can I do just to get the company to give me some answers? All I really want is for them to severance me off so I can find another job and get on yep. you know, with my life. And then she writes, I watched the show, it's very informative. She probably talks about uh, Lior's show, Employment Hour and 30. Uh, which which we play on the weekends on Global. So, John, this is interesting. And, and the reason why I'm uh, uh, talking about this question, even though it appears to be an employment-related question, is because I want to stress to people out there, if you are on LTD or, or frankly, even short-term disability and you're having difficulties with your insurance company, you've been cut off, you know, don't immediately jump into the workforce. Don't immediately think that despite the fact that you are still disabled – Uh, but you have no money coming in, you are now forced to go back to work. You have options vis-a-vis your own insurance company. So this happens quite a lot, John, where people are cut off their long-term disability. They feel like, well, I have no choice, even though I can't go back to work, and my doctors are telling me I can't go back. I'm going to have to go to work, even though it's to my detriment. It's going to make me worse. 
because I need some money coming in, okay. uh, you know, to, to have somebody coming in. And, and so, you know, th- this is an interesting situation where not only is she probably entitled to, to some severance if, in fact, she's being let go from her job, so I'm going to have an employment lawyer speak with her from our firm, but also I'm going to tell her that she has options vis-a-vis her insurance company if, in fact, she still cannot go back to work. So that's the message here for people to understand. If you're cut off by your insurance company from long-term disability, don't think that you have no options. Don't think that despite the fact that you can't work, you have to go back to work to right. some job, okay? The uh, the number, by the way, one 990 could be, and chances are, will be sometime in your uh, your working career that will be uh, will be very important in your life for that matter. The uh, email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. What else you got going on, brother? So there is another uh, individual who contacted us. This person is a teacher. He um, He's actually from Ottawa. And uh, he went off work uh, because of his disability. It's a psychological issue that he has. He went off work September 2016, of 16. Uh, on, in March of 2017, so this is March of last year, he was denied LTD. Uh, he appealed that denial and was denied again in September of last year. And uh, you know, his doctors are saying he is unable to go back to work. He is unionized, so he's a unionized employee, he's a teacher, but his union is telling him that they can't help him. And John, before I continue with the case, again, I want to make sure our listeners know, if you are a unionized employee and you have been cut off long-term disability, the vast majority of unions out there that I have encountered will not be able to help this individual. We can help the vast majority of people, even if they are unionized, if they are cut off or denied long-term disability. Okay. In fact, we have quite a few teachers that we represent currently right now against their long-term disability insurers for denying their claims, even though their doctors are saying that they are disabled from working. So it's very important for people to understand, if you are unionized, a unionized employee, you've been cut off or denied long-term disability, don't think that the first people you should go to speak with is, is your union, okay? That's not the case. They don't have expertise dealing with disability claims. You should contact us. We will review your denial letter, your medical documents, the collective agreement, and we will tell you what your legal options are. So, John, I know we have a break coming. Let me just pick up where I left off with this individual who contacted us. You bet. We'll do that after a short break. Stick around. Do not go anywhere. You want to reach out in the meantime to get a hold of Savannah anytime. It is one 990 9646 and help at Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way right here on Global News Radio. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, you know the number, one 990 9646 and help at the So, you want to pick it up where you left off uh, at the end of last break, yeah? Yeah, this is this gentleman who contacted us. He's a high school teacher. Uh, He's in his 60s, he's unionized as a teacher, and he's been denied long-term disability back in March of 2017. And he's appealed the denial, and he's been uh, rejected again. Uh, And now he's contacting us because his union is telling him that they can't help him. Now, one of the reasons why apparently he was denied is that the insurance company is claiming that he's not following or he did not follow proper treatment protocol, treatment uh, treatments that were prescribed by his, uh, his psychologist. And he has an explanation for that. For example, some of the medications that he was asked to take, they made him nauseous, so he stopped taking them. So you see, John, insurance companies, in my experience, will use any excuse in the book to cut people off or deny them long-term disability that is owed to them. And the message for people out there is that just because the insurance company is telling you that they have a reason for why they've denied your disability doesn't mean that that excuse or that reason, as the insurance company calls it, is in fact legitimate. It doesn't mean that you don't have any legal options. In fact, 
Most of the time, you do. And what does that mean? It means that we can start a legal claim against the insurance company and force them to deal with this claim, force them to come to the table and negotiate a just resolution. Right. One last thing that I want to mention here. This gentleman was denied, according to the email I received, March of last year. We are now at the end of 2018. Mm -hmm. John, if he had come to us back in March of 2017 when he was first denied, we would have already been talking right now, most likely about a successful settlement of his claim. As opposed to now just speaking with him about his legal options. And it's going to take a few more months, if not a year, until we can resolve his claim. So again, if you are out there, if you are denied, if you are cut off long-term disability, and you want to appeal that with the insurance company, do that at your own risk. Most of these appeals, in our experience, not just mine, but other lawyers that I deal with that do this kind of work, you know, James Fireman, who's on with me on this show quite a lot, but other lawyers as well in other firms, they will tell you their experience is most of the time, in the vast majority of cases, these appeals, trying to get the insurance company to reverse course, to reverse position, they just fail. They fail and it just drags out the process. And in some instances, in some instances, it actually drags out the process beyond the two-year limitation period, meaning that if you get beyond that two-year mark, after the first time you've been denied, you now have no legal recourse. We now cannot help you anymore. Or if we can, it's in very rare circumstances. So be very careful of that. If you are first denied, as soon as you are, in fact, as soon as you are first, you have an inkling that you're going to be denied or you're going to be cut off disability benefits, give us a call immediately because we can tell you immediately what your options are. And uh, that number, by the way, if you don't know by now, write it down, one 990 and help at What uh, What else you want to talk about today, man? Okay, one last thing that I want to okay. mention again. Another question that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com, that free website where people post co- uh, questions and then I answer them. So this one came from Lance uh, in Niagara Falls, and here's what he writes. He says, I was hospitalized on September 5th for a week and diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Upon release from the hospital, the medical staff recommended time off work, and upon follow-up with my family doctor, he recommended at least six months and to take on nothing new during that time. My insurance company approved short-term disability uh, and requested additional medical information for continuation of benefits beyond that certain date that he gave me. Then he writes, my doctor sent information, and they have denied my claim, telling me that I can appeal. (laughs) And then he says, do I appeal their decision? I am not better, and I'm not able to return to work. I also do not wish to go against my doctor's orders. What can I do? Well, first of all, Lance is absolutely right on two fronts. Number one, to email me that question, actually to post that question so that other people can see how I've answered it. Because remember, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com and you can actually review prior questions and answers. But the second thing that he's done that's very important, other than just posting it and getting my advice, is understanding that he should not go against his doctor's orders. And John, that's how we started the show, right? We talked about this individual who, uh, again, posted the question on that website as well, mydisabilityquestions.com, and wrote that the insurance company cut her off, and now she just wants severance and she wants to move on. Right, But there is a possibility there, or at least my understanding is that she still is unable to go back to work. Right. So it's very important to understand if you are cut off long-term disability or you're denied long-term disability or short-term disability for that matter, and your doctors are telling you you are in no position, your health is not good enough, you cannot go back to work, you should not go back to work, do not go back to work. Follow your doctor's advice. If you don't, you're going to make your own health 
situation much, much worse. And, you know, what do you do in terms of this situation here mm-hmm. with this individual with Lance? Well, no, you certainly do not appeal the insurance company's denial. Again, I'm stressing it because it keeps coming up. Do not appeal these denials. These appeals that people are engaged in, that these insurance companies are inviting you to do, these are internal processes. All you're doing is appeal to the exact same people. You're appealing to them, to the exact same people who cut you off in the first place right. or denied you. They're probably going to turn around and they're going to say, no, I'm sorry. You know, we still don't think that, that you, know, you qualify under the policy. And by that point, another few months would have gone down the drain. And then you appeal again and another few months would have gone down the drain. Why go through that process? Why get so frustrated? It makes no sense to me, John, but people are still doing it. And, and, and as you've mentioned so many times, and we've mentioned on this show countless times since we started, is you know once that appeals, once that, once that cutoff gets happening, they can keep saying you appeal, appeal, appeal. But if you do appeal, it does not reset the clock. You do, no. not, go, you know, you do not go back to, to go and collect $200 with the, with the start button. The two years is ticking away, and they will stalemate you till the end of the two years, and then we all know what happens. Right? That's exactly true. It's exactly true. And you know, John, I think that the reason why a lot of people end up appealing or trying to appeal... I think there are several reasons, one of which is that they simply don't believe me. They simply say to themselves, you know, these lawyers on the radio, they're doing this because they want to put money in their pocket. Listen, full disclosure, we're doing this not only to give out information, but because it's good for business. People do come to us, but they come to us not only by listening to this show, they come to us also because we are being recommended by other people that we've helped. And again, I started the show by saying that other lawyers refer their own family members to us so that we can help them. Right. Doctors are contacting us. You know, John, we represent family doctors. We represent c- crisis counselors who themselves have gotten to a breaking point, mm-hmm. and the insurance companies have denied their long-term disability claims. So, you know, we, we represent a vast array of people from every, you know, that have every type of job you can imagine, uh, salaries into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, but also people who make, you know, 15 bucks an hour. We represent a full gamut. And at the end of the day, if you're not listening to our advice, you do this at your own peril. It's that simple. We'll get to the top three things disabled individuals should never ask their doctors to do. That's important stuff. That and a bunch of your emails as well. Jared, you're up first. We'll get to your email. You want to send one in, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And toll free anytime, that number, one 9646 This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Into the questions and emails we go. The number right off the hop if you want to call Savannah or James, member of the team. No problem, one 9640 9646. That would be the way to do that. It is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. As I, I teased everybody at the end of uh, the last segment, Savannah, uh, the top three things disabled individuals should never ask their doctors to do. What are those? Okay, so let's start off with, uh, with number one here. Never ask your doctor to write a report containing inaccurate or false information. And I know that this is common sense, and people are probably thinking to themselves, oh, there's no magic here. I mean, what's the big deal? Obviously, we should not tell our doctors to write something that is wrong. Sure. But, you know, sometimes people say certain things, and they don't really believe that they are lies or inaccuracies. Mm -hmm. They're sort of polishing the truth a bit, quote unquote. So Uh I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say they're getting some treatments, uh, and by treatments I mean I don't know some physiotherapy treatments or psychological treatments, yep. and maybe you know you've skipped a whole bunch of them, 
But the next time you've gone to your doctor, you tell your doctor, yeah, you continue to get those treatments. Here's the problem. Technically speaking, you've continued to get those treatments, but maybe there was that pause of a month or two months or whatever it is. Your family doctor is recording in his or her notes that you are continuing to get treatments. If down the road you're going to have a claim against the insurance company because they've cut you off or denied your disability claim, or frankly, if you're injured and you have an injury claim, those doctor's records may be juxtaposed with the physiotherapy records or the psychologist records such okay. that the insurance company's lawyer is going to look at the family doctor's records, is going to see that there is a note saying, oh, this person is getting treatments regularly. And for that same time period, he's going to see that the psychologist has a notation, oh, has been absent from the last you know, four weeks worth of treatments. So then it creates an inconsistency as to what you've reported to your family doctor. So be very careful. You want to make sure that when you speak with your doctor, your doctor is going to be writing a report on your behalf to the insurance company. You want to make sure that the information you give your doctor is accurate. Number two, yep. never ask your doctor to minimize or downplay your disability. So I call you know, a lot of my clients uh, super, superman, superhuman, you know, disabled individuals in that the majority of people out there actually downplay a lot of uh, their disabilities. They'll tell you that they're depressed, but they're not going to necessarily report to you the full extent of their depression or how that fully affects them day to day. Now, John, the net result of that is that those kinds of comments about the fact that your symptoms are not that bad or your limitations are not that bad, again, those are going to get recorded in your doctor's records. And when the insurance company gets a hold of those records, they're going to seize on those comments. If you tell your doctor, yeah, I'm depressed, but you know what? I can do X, Y, and Z, and I can still function and take my kids to soccer and go shopping on the weekends and go to movies. The insurance, and, and let's assume that's not exactly correct, that you're just trying to show your doctor that you are you know, an optimist and a positive person. Those are white lies, let's say. The insurance company is going to look at those comments down the road, and they're going to use those against you. Right. And then you may say, well, yeah, but it's not really true. And then the insurance company is going to come back and say, well, but you told your doctor that this is true. So are you saying that you were lying to your doctor? Well, if you're lying to your doctor, maybe you're lying about your claim. So again, you want to make sure that to the extent that your symptoms are disabling you, you get your doctor to record the full extent of that disability, okay? Right. Don't try to be overly positive. That's not to say that you should be complaining about everything. Uh, but you know, just make sure that the accurate pe- uh, picture is, is is being painted. Number three, yes. and this is really really important. We've talked about this before. Never ever 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 ask your doctor to write that you are ready to go back to work unless that is the absolute truth. Yeah, don't be a hero, right? And I'm telling you, John, exactly. Yeah. Don't be a hero. But people are heroes because they have to. They have responsibilities. Yep. They need to. And again, we we talked about the beginning of the show with people who've contacted me. Uh, who are cut off or denied long-term disability, and they feel that they have no choice. They have to go back to work, but then the insurance, sorry, the employer says, well, we want a note from your doctor saying that you are all better. So the person, despite the fact that they're disabled, goes to their doctor, gets a note saying they're all better, even though they're not. Then they go off on disability again, but the insurance company gets the records from the, from the doctor, and they see that note where the doctor wrote that it's all better, and now they're using it against you. So you have to be very, very careful in having your doctor say in writing to your employer that you're in fact all better and can go back to work. John, those are the three things, but there is a side note here. And uh, Albert, who's one of my associates who who does a lot of long-term disability claims with me, very, very smart guy, 
actually mentioned something to me as we were at the gym this week. And he says, you know, Sivan says, something keeps coming up, and I want to make sure that you tell your listeners that. In many instances, people who are disabled, what happens is that they go to their employers and they try to ask their employers to accommodate their disabilities. Right. Which is good. It's, it's great if they can do that, and it's even better if the employers are, in fact, able to accommodate them. But here's the problem. The problem is that if the employer is unable to accommodate them and there is a letter from the doctor stating that this person can work with these accommodations, and again, the employer says, well, we can't accommodate you, the insurance company will turn around saying, well, the issue then is not that you're disabled. The issue is that your employer is not accommodating you. So Uh now, you know, they're thinking, well, we should call Lior, right? He's the employment lawyer. The employer is not accommodating. But really, in reality... Despite the issue of accommodation, this person remains disabled. So again, you have to be very careful in asking your doctor to write something for your employer saying that you're able to work with accommodation. Your doctor should be a lot more nuanced than that. If your doctor doesn't feel 100% that you're able to work with accommodations, the note should not say, in in my opinion, that you're able to work with these accommodations. The note should probably say, which is probably more accurate to say, this person may be able to work with these accommodations. That way you can take that note to your employer. And even if your employer says no, the insurance company can turn around saying, well, your doctor said you can work with these accommodations because the doctor never said that. The doctor said he may or she may be able to work with these accommodations. You may still have an employment issue that we can deal with, right. but it doesn't, it doesn't preclude you from then going to the insurance company and saying, well, you know what? Don't cut me off or please reinstate me and put me back on claim because I am unable to work. So, so very, very important to understand. It, it does make a definitive statement. It, it, it says basically, look, I'm going to take yes. this for a spin. I might not be able to do this. A, a, exactly. But, but this right. is specifically with the issue of accommodation. Right. Uh, okay. Because a lot of people, again, most people that I encounter are not people who are just interested in sitting on the couch or lying on the couch and waiting yeah. for the check to come in. They actually want to get back into the workforce. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take a short break, get back into it. Your emails, Jared, as mentioned, you're up first, so, uh, so stand by. We'll get to your email. You want to send one, you can do so. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and toll free as well, one 990 This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. Insurance and Injury Law Show continues. The number, one 990 Simple phone call, easy to remember. Write it down. That will put you in touch with Savan, member of his team, including James Fireman as well. You want to call that number or email anytime. That is open to you as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Jared, as promised, first one up. Jared writes in uh, a short time ago, said, Eight years ago, I was in a bad car accident and had to have three surgeries to my back because of it. Remarkably, I've recovered fairly well and got back to my job as a carpenter. And I've been working in that job for the past three years full-time. A month ago, I was rear-ended pretty hard by an SUV at an intersection. And now I'm off work again. And it seems like I may need, you guys it another back surgery. Does my earlier accident mean that I can't make a claim because of a pre-existing injury to my back? Absolutely not. It does no. not preclude you. And I know that people out there, immediately when you say the term pre-existing condition, have you know nightmare scenarios come up in their minds about insurance companies uh, denying claims for that. And that's true. Insurance companies will often use a pre-existing condition or a pre-existing injury yeah. to either deny your claim or significantly diminish the, the validity of the new claim that arises from it. But what I want people to understand is this particularly in injury law. And this is the same law across all of Canada, with the exception of Quebec that 
they're just different. Uh, but specifically in Ontario and in BC, I can tell you this is 100% correct. If you've suffered an injury to a part of your body, somebody else was at fault, like in Jared's case, and as a result of a pre-existing condition, whether it's an illness or another injury or just a con- whatever condition it is, as a result of that pre-existing issue that you've had, this new accident has now caused another injury, meaning that your injury is now worse because of that pre-existing condition. That's not your fault as the victim. That's the fault of whoever caused the injury. And the law recognizes that. And think about that, John. That makes sense. It makes sense that you would not re-victimize the victim. It makes sense that you would not say to this individual, to Jared here, oh, because you had this accident all these years ago, and as a result of that, now this accident has had that much more impact on you because you were in a precarious state because your back was not that good, not that healthy, in a healthy state because of that pre-existing injury, uh, that you were at fault for this, for, that you were at fault that you can't work. No, that's not the way the law looks at things. The law is a lot more favorable to you, Jared, and I can tell you, you're definitely going to have a claim and it's going to be significant if, in fact, you're unable to go back to work uh, to the same capacity, in the same capacity you were able to work prior to this recent accident. And I suggest that we get in touch with each other right after the show so we can talk about this because you're going to be entitled to benefits from your insurance company. That's called income replacement benefits. Okay, very important to understand. This, the, the, it, and it doesn't matter if you're at fault or they're at fault. You're always entitled to benefits from your insurance company if you're injured in a car accident. But in addition to that, because you were rear-ended, you're going to have a claim potentially against the person that rear-ended you. Uh, and again, it's very important to talk about the options when it comes to that, especially if we're looking at uh, a, a long-term type of, a, of an injury that's going to uh, impact your ability to earn income and bring in money to your family for the long term. Again, Jared, you know the email, but the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six, and uh, that'll put you in touch with Savannah and the rest of his team. So, talk about workplace accommodations, kind of in the context of LTD. What happens if a person is disabled from working, but they they go ask for accommodation from their employer, like we talked about earlier? And uh, how does that affect their LTD claim? Some people won't do it because they think they're going to get cut off or they're going to get less money. Yeah, so we talked about that a bit in the last segment, and this happens quite a lot where people who are disabled do in fact try to go back to work, and and they try to go back uh, with some accommodations. Now, here's what's important to understand. Uh, The majority of LTD policies out there have what's called a recurrence clause, which means that if your disability recurs or within a certain period of time, you're unable to in fact continue working, then you're entitled to go back on claim. You don't have to go through the whole application process with your insurance company. You're simply entitled to tell your insurance company, I've tried to go back to work. It's not working out, excuse the pun, uh, and I would like to go back on claim. And the problem here is that, I mean, it's a good thing that you have that option. The problem is that many insurance companies will use that against you. They will say, well, hold on for a second. Let's look at what your doctor said just before you went back to work. And again, I'm going to focus, you know, zero in on what doctors write um, when when they help someone try to go back to work. Doctors have to be extremely careful with the words they choose. And the reason for that is because if the doctor is saying that you are all ready to go back to work, and then you go back to work, and within a week you feel like you can't, in fact, do do the work because of your disability, and then you try to go back on claim, the insurance company is going to look at that note from the doctor and question why is it that that doctor believed just a week ago that you were able to go back to work. Right. It's going to cast suspicion on you. Maybe the insurance company is going to try and insinuate that, well, I guess you just like you know sitting on your couch you know, and, and 
collecting a paycheck better than going back to work. That's why doctors have to be very careful in what they write when they help someone try to go back to work, and especially when you're dealing with the issue of accommodation because it's so sensitive, right? Again, if the doctor is writing that this person is able to go back to work with accommodation and the employer then rejects that accommodation, there may be an employment issue there, but it doesn't mean that the person is actually able to work with accommodation. The person simply was going to try and go back to work with accommodation. Okay. So again, you know, there are nuances here. You just have to be very careful in how you are dealing with the return to work type situation. And that's why I invite people out there. If you're in that situation, you have questions, give us a call. It costs nothing to get that advice from us, to talk to us, for us to guide you in that circumstance. Let me get to Jessica here. We've still got a couple of minutes. I'll just go a little long if we have to on this one because I think it's a, it's an important email. Jessica says, I've been on long-term disability for vision problems and migraines uh, March of 2017, and I just got a letter in the mail from the insurance company that they will end my payments next March of 2019. I'm 52, and my neurologist and ophthalmologist both say that I can't do my job, which involves working on a computer eight hours a day. The problem is that my migraines are getting worse and worse, and I usually spend most of the day in bed because of the pain and the fatigue. Uh, I'm not sure what to do. Uh, Obviously, I need money to survive. That is a brutal one-two punch, vision problems and migraines. It's very, very brutal. It makes sense that she has a specialist that she has. What doesn't make sense to me, the the insurance company is saying that you should be able to go back to work or the insurance company is cutting her off at the two-year mark. Insurance companies often will cut someone at the two-year mark after the person has been receiving long-term disability for two years because the criteria or the test for getting LTD beyond two years changes. Remember, for the first two years, the question is, can you do your own job, your own occupation? If you can't, cannot, then you qualify. Beyond the two years, the tests, the, 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 the test for getting LTD expands. The question becomes, can you do any occupation for which you're suited by training, education, or experience? And what's happening in Jessica's case, it seems like the insurance company is taking the position that despite what her specialists are saying, despite the migraines, despite all the issues she's experiencing, they're saying to her, no, we think you can do some other job. And John, again, I know we have a break coming, so maybe we'll break off and I want to get back here and I want to be able to tell Jessica what her options are. Jessica, stand by. We will continue on with your email. You can send one as well. Still have time. And that is help at the insurance lawyer. .ca, the, uh, the phone number anytime, one 990 The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio. And back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Still plenty of time to uh, send your email in, ask your questions to Zavan here to answer them for the uh, remainder of the show, of course. Uh, help at the insurance lawyer.ca. And the phone number, one 990 When we uh, took a break there a few moments ago, Savannah, we were talking about Jessica and uh, vision problems and migraines as well, keeping her from working. In fact, she's not she's not getting any income right now. That's right, yeah. 52, and she's got a neurologist and an ophthalmologist both saying that she can't work. Uh, now, here's the interesting thing. She, um, uh, she began having these issues and qualified for LTD back in March of 2017, and she's been told now... Uh, that she's going to get cut off in March of 2019. So that's several months from now. And, you know, most people out there, a lot of people out there, uh, they they look at that. They look at that letter from the insurance company saying, we're going to cut you off in March, in April, whenever it is, in the future. Well, I guess I can't do anything until then, right? Because, right, and, and frankly, some people think, well, maybe I can do something now. But what's the point? For the next yeah. few months, I still have income coming in. 
don't do that. Don't bury your head in the sand. If you think that, you know, your condition will get better, if you think that by then you will be able to go back to work, uh, then sure, it's okay. You don't have to contact us because what's the problem? You'll be able to go back. But in Jessica's case, her migraines, pain, fatigue, that's all getting worse. Yeah. And her own specialists are saying, you cannot work. So it's a good thing that she contacted us now in advance because we can actually take action now against the insurance company. Certainly, she should not be appealing that future denial. Because remember, even though they haven't cut her off, insurance companies will often tell you that you are going to get cut off at some point in the future. Let's say, in her case, it's March 2017. There would have been a precise date that's outlined. And the last paragraph in that letter would have said, you're invited to appeal this. And if you have more documentation, you can send that to us. And by the way, John, many people are thinking, well, money's coming in now. For the next few months, I might as well try and appeal this decision. I can, I'm not going to say I can guarantee it for you, but I can tell you in almost every case that I've dealt with someone has been told, we're going to cut you off in a few months, but you can appeal this. In almost every case that I have seen that someone has tried to appeal that, they have not been successful and they come to us once they have no more money coming in and once they are in dire straits. And at that point, the clock is really ticking because at that point, they have a mortgage they have to cover, they have kids' expenses, etc. So what you should do, if you are told you're going to get cut off in a week, in two weeks, in a month, in five months, and you don't feel you're going to be able to go back to work, is contact us now, exactly the way Jessica did, because we can take action against the insurance company now, and then minimize the amount of time that you have no money coming in, because that's really the key thing here. We want to make sure that you have money coming in, that you're able to support yourself and your family. Again, one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is that number. Uh, moving on to Michael says my mother has cancer and has been battling it for years. She's fifty nine and recently her oncologist said that uh, the cancer has metastasized. She's going through chemo and radiation. She worked for the government in the Ministry of Health as an administrator. And astonishingly, when she applied for LTD, she was denied because the insurer says that the cancer is not advanced enough. Her oncologist is beside himself and even called the adjuster who sent the letter and spoke with his manager. Yesterday, they wrote back saying uh, what they are maintaining, uh, the denial. They're not giving it to her. What can she do? John, can you imagine this? Can you just imagine how much stress this family is going through? Right. And I have a personal experience with someone in my family who passed away from cancer. I know the toll that this takes on individuals, on their families, on their friends. For this insurance company to be victimizing them now at this time, especially at this time of the year... You know, in addition to everything, it's just, I can imagine why the oncologist is beside himself. Uh, And, and, you know, and it tells you something that the oncologist had actually put in a call to the adjuster and the manager and the insurance company still comes back and says, we're not going to cover you. It's absolutely insane. Michael, I can tell you, we can help. I want to see the denial letter. I want to see what the oncologist oncologist wrote. I want to see, obviously, the uh, LTD policy. Uh, But I can tell you, I have dealt quite a lot with with these kinds of cases, with cancer-type cases, with neurologic-type cases, psychological cases, cancer-type cases. And again, I'm grouping them together. Everyone knows what cancer is. Not everyone necessarily knows what some obscure neurological condition is. But everyone knows what cancer is. Good call. And for the insurance company to say, it's not advanced enough, we think you should be able to work, that's just outrageous. And let me tell you something, Michael, and I'm going to speak to you directly now. As soon as we start a legal claim here against the insurance company, 
I'm telling you internally within the insurance company, that claim is going to make its way down to a different adjuster, someone whose job it is to shut this down. And it's going to make its way to a lawyer like myself, a lawyer that's whose job it is to defend the insurance company. And I'll tell you, I'll be very surprised if they don't pick up the phone within a minute of reading the claim that I'm going to yeah. be drafting and calling me and saying, how can we resolve this now? But we're not going to just resolve it right there and then. We're going to make sure that the insurance company pays more, more than what your mother is owed. And I'm talking about extra contractual damages. I'm talking about not only getting the insurance company to pay your mother what they owe her, but some money in addition to that for her pain and suffering for having yeah. to have gone through this and some money uh, for punishment. It's called punitive damages, aggravated damages. And insurance companies in the past have been dinged by judges, by courts with punitive damages. And they do that in cases where the insurance company is seen to have acted egregiously. And I think this is one of those cases. Micah, you know the uh, the email. I'm going to give you the number again. Please reach out as soon as you can. It's one uh, 990 And for you as well, still got a few minutes left here. You want to send in an email. We'll try to get to that as well. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And a reminder as well, starting in uh, January of 2019, early in the new year, Global TV show In Your Corner uh, with Savannah and myself. We're tackling these issues in a 30-minute form on your television. We'll be Sunday mornings at 830. Again, In Your Corner starts on Global TV uh, as of January 2019. In that regard, we'll take a short break and continue with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This show going to TV. A reminder, going to be early January 2019 on Global In Your Corner. Will be the show, a 30-minute condensed version of what we do on this show. It's going to be fantastic. Sunday mornings at 8.30. In Your Corner is coming to your uh, your TV. So we're heading into winter. Um, well, we, we've actually already started last week. We, we had a bit of snow and a bit of ice, and uh, it's coming. More of it's coming for sure. What should people do if they slip and fall? There's going to be a ton of these. The phone calls are going to be coming into your office nonstop. Or if they know someone who has had a slip and fall and injured themselves, what's the, what's the first few steps? Yeah, we get this every year, obviously, as you can imagine. And it's not just in winter. It's also uh, during the other seasons. If, 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 you know, if you're in a mall or if you're somewhere and, and you know, the floor is wet, uh, it's the same kind of a thing. I'm going to give you a few tips. Make sure that you follow these. Uh, and some of them are common sense. Some of them, you know, you really need to understand this and how it's going to impact you down the road. So, so listen up. So number one, get a medical attention ASAP. Okay. Right. Now that almost seems, you know, complete common sense, but some people don't actually do that. They don't go and get medical attention ASAP. And I'm telling you, John, I had a case where I had this individual who slipped and fell on ice. He, he broke his femur. It was actually a very bad injury, but he decided, hey, I'm not sure that I want to go and get, you know, a doctor to look at it. Uh, and so he ended up, uh, you know, staying at home for about a day before the pain was just so excruciating, and only then he ended up going to the hospital. Now, that's an extreme case, but in other cases, people will not go and seek medical attention when they should. Now, I'm not telling everyone out there to go and get medical attention. I'm saying if you think you're injured, if you're feeling that you're injured, you should be going and getting medical attention. Right. Why is that important? Because let's say that you slipped and fell, or even if you were in a car accident, and you were injured, but you waited a few days before seeking medical advice. If down the road you have a legal claim for compensation for your pain and suffering and any other damages, the insurance company is going to be asking to see all of the medical records, uh, your historical medical records, and they're going to see that there was a gap in time between the day or the time that you got injured and when you sought medical attention. John, as you can imagine, 
if you slip and fall and you're injured and you don't go and seek medical attention uh, for a week, let's say, yeah. well, then if you're the insurance company a year down the road and you're looking at that, you're thinking to yourself, well, how bad could the injury have been if you stayed at home for a week and did not go and see a doctor? So make sure that you get medical attention ASAP, both because it's a good idea if you're injured, but also from a legal standpoint, it just looks bad if there is that gap, that delay of a few days or a few weeks between the time of the incident and the time of um, you seeking medical attention. Uh, Obviously, contact us ASAP so that we can tell you what the legal steps are. And that's important because in some situations, we have to notify certain entities very quickly. For example... Under the Municipal Act, the legislation that governs slips and falls, for example, on, on like city sidewalks, sidewalks stuff, yeah. yeah, you have to notify uh, the city clerk uh, of the city where, where you fell, where you're getting injured within 10 days in writing of the fall and your intention to potentially start a claim. If you don't do that, you may potentially be prejudicing your claim. What does that mean? It means that you may not be able to, down the road, start a legal claim or get damages for your injuries, even if the city was negligent. So you have to be very careful. We have to make sure that we comply with those notice provisions. Uh, number three, if you or someone is with you and you know everyone has a phone now, take photos, take videos of the area. Uh, what caused you to fall? If there's a lot of ice, make sure that you have someone take some photos as soon as possible of the area because you want to show all the ice that was there. You want to show that there was no salt or there was no sand. You want to show the conditions because I tell you, John, as soon as we start a legal claim, Whoever was responsible for maintaining that area, they're going to say, uh, you know, we took you know, we took care of the place. They're, they're going to produce these records of theirs, and they're going to say, oh, we were there 10 minutes before, and we put salt on the ground. Yeah. But if you have a photo that shows that there was nothing there, that's a problem for them. Uh, get the contact info of any witnesses. Again, very important. If you have somebody that's helping you, just get their name and their phone number. Again, that could be a huge part of your claim down the road, especially if your damages are significant. Uh, and, and, you know, the last comment I'll say, and, and you know, again, some people out there um, may not believe me, but don't try and deal with insurance companies on your own with respect to these things. Some people will get injured. They'll notify whoever is responsible for the area. Let's say it's a parking lot. So they'll go to whoever, you know, is in charge of that parking lot. Uh, and then the insurance company adjuster will contact them. They'll want to come to their house, take a statement just be very careful of dealing with insurance adjusters on your own if right. you're not a lawyer, if you don't have expertise in this field, because these guys are pros. Their job is to do whatever they can to minimize the amount of liability and therefore the amount of money that the insurance company may end up having to pay you down the road for your injuries. So again, give us a call, email us. It costs nothing to talk. Just get this information, whether it's for you, for your friends, for family members, colleagues, I can't stress this enough, John. And and frankly, we're more than happy. All of our lawyers at the firm are more than happy to give this information out so that people know what to do in those situations so they can protect themselves. That'll do it for another week. Some good stuff there. You want to reach out. uh, You have questions outside of the uh, show, which uh, is about a a couple seconds away from now. You want to call Savannah James, member of the team. That's very simple. It's 1-888-990-9646. Email as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And uh, again, one more time before we uh, we wrap for the weekend, starting early January of next year, so a couple months away, January 2019, global TV show in your corner will be Savannah, myself, and possibly James sometimes, talking about the issues we talk about on this radio show, but on your TV. That's going to be happening January Sundays at 8.30 in the morning, so looking forward to that. Till next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio.